Welcome to Torah Today Ministries and our continuing series, Tehillim Talks, Our Studies in the Psalms. In this episode, we find ourselves in the amazing Psalm 29. Now, we're going to take a little bit different tact as we go into this psalm. I'm going to show you the overall structure. And it's a, a, it very much follows a, a menorah structure. And let me show you what I mean. The psalm, of course, is of David, and it opens with four lines, verses 1 and 2. And in each of these lines, you will see God's name, yod heh And I put, of course, Adonai. And so the first four lines have God's name in each line. But if we go down to the very end of the psalm, in verses 10 and 11, we find four closing lines. And again, God's name appears four times in verses 10 and 11. Now, in between, couch between these four opening lines and four closing lines, each containing God's name, we find this phrase seven times. The voice of Adonai, Kol Adonai, we find it once, twice, three, four. If you go on through seven times, it refers to the voice of Adonai. So you can see the menorah structure. It begins with Adonai's name mentioned four times in four short lines. It ends with his name mentioned four times, again, in four short lines. In between, we have these seven, the voice of Adonai. Some have surmised that in Revelation, uh, chapter 10, verse 3, which says, And he called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. Some say this verse in Revelation 10, 3 is a reference back to uh, the seven voices of Adonai in Psalm 29. Now, Usually, I preface these psalms in this series of 10, from Psalm 22 up to Psalm 30, uh, with a little context. And as you know, I've taken the approach with these 10 psalms, uh, that these 10 psalms give us a picture into the, the mind and heart of Yeshua as he was on the cross. And Psalm 22, as you know, begins with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in Psalm 30, our next psalm in the series, you'll find the words, Into your hands I commend my spirit. These two sayings, of course, are two of Messiah's sayings on the cross. And as we've gone through these 10 Psalms, we've alluded to other things he said on the cross and how they align with topics and statements in these Psalms. So as we draw near to the end of these 10 Psalms, Psalm 30, the next Psalm will be our last one in this series, the, the series of the 10, not the series of Psalms. Yeah, I've got about 121 more to go in that. But... Um, what we see here as we approach the end of this series of 10 is, well, like the old 50s song says, there's a lot of shaking going on. We see the world shaking. We see Messiah on the move. We see God on the move. And um, it's, it, it puts me in mind of when there was darkness on the earth, when Yeshua was on the cross and it doesn't tell us that there was uh, thunder and lightning and an earthquake while he was on the cross. 
But somehow in my imagination, I know in some of the movies I've seen of the life of Messiah, when they show the crucifixion scene, there's always lightning and thunder. Be that as it may. We do know, however, that when he rose from the dead on the third day, that the earth shook and graves were opened and uh, there's a great earthquake. So I believe that this psalm is looking forward to that. Because as we look at this psalm, Psalm 29, it's as if the pain of the cross is now in the past. It's starting to fade. And it's like this hymn of victory and this victory march while, where the, uh, the conquering king is moving forward. Now, as we look at this psalm, there's an image that has been created in my mind. And I'm hesitant to even share the image I get from the psalm with you because you may not like this image in your mind. So you may just want to shut down the teaching at this point and just skip on to Psalm 30 when it gets posted. But if you want to know how my mind works and the picture I get in my mind that this psalm tends to conjure up, then keep listening. So let's just walk our way through. One last thing I've done differently in this psalm, you'll notice that in past psalms, as we come to unique Hebrew word, uh, I'll insert it right here on the main screen. But what I've done in this psalm, I've saved those up and put them at the end of the notes. And I do encourage you to go to our website, which is Beth, uh, I'm sorry, not Beth Takoon, that's the old one, but TorahTodayMinistries.org. And if you go there, you can print out the notes in color. And uh, so you can have them there and you can go over them if you decide to listen to this a second time. So let's begin. Verses 1 and 2, as I said, uh, comprise four lines. Bring to Adonai, O heavenly beings, bring to Adonai glory and strength. Bring to Adonai the glory to his name. Worship Adonai in the majesty of holiness. Now, this phrase, bring to, is usually translated as ascribe ascribe to Adonai, which is perfectly fine. But the Hebrew word is havu, which means to come and to bring with you, to bring something into his presence. And to me, that just has more power, has more punch to it, and seems to be more accurate with the Hebrew than merely to ascribe. And this phrase here, O heavenly beings, is problematic. This phrase in Hebrew is found only two times in the Bible, both times in Psalms. And in Hebrew, it's the phrase B'nai Elim. B'nai means sons of. Elim doesn't mean God. That would be B'nai Elohim, which is a phrase we find many times in Scripture. But this is B'nai Elim. The word El, which is often translated God, uh, and is the root of Elohim, the word El itself means a power, like a, um, a, a supernatural spiritual power. And um, God, of course, is the supreme power. He is El, but there are other lesser beings also called El. And Elim is plural. So B'nai Elim, the sons of the powers, I don't know. How do we translate this? 
And uh, a number of translations use heavenly beings. So I'm going to go with that. But I want you to know up front that it is a bit problematic. The other place we find this in Psalms is in Psalm 89, verse 6, which says, For who in the skies can be compared to Adonai? Who among the B'nai Elim is like Adonai? So, um, that's one you can wrestle with and decide uh, where you come down on the translation with that. So, bring to Adonai, O B'nai Elim, bring to Adonai glory and strength. The word for strength is the word oats, which is a common word in the scriptures for strength. We find this word twice in the psalm, once here and once in the last verse, down in verse 11. Bring to Adonai the glory to his name. Worship Adonai in the majesty of holiness. Some translations say the beauty of holiness. And this word in Hebrew is one of my favorite words. It's the word Hadar, Hadar, and it's found twice in this psalm, and in most translations it's translated differently in the two occurrences in the psalm. I don't know why that is, but I've chosen to go with the word majesty. Some will use the word beauty, and the word does mean that, but it's a beauty that's not like, well, that's a pretty bird over there. Was the beauty that inspires you like when you see a mountain or you see some grand, powerful thing happening that is just awe-inspiring with its splendor. And that's another word that translates Hadar, splendor. Another one is the word dignity. So, beauty, majesty, splendor, dignity, you get the picture. Now, something interesting about this, this word strength is found twice in this psalm, in the first and last verses. And this word majesty, or splendor, beauty, dignity, is also found twice. These are the two words that Solomon used in the beautiful uh, Ishit Kyle in, in Proverbs 31, the woman of valor. And we're told there that she clothes herself in strength and majesty, in oats and hadar. Keep that in mind, because the Ishit Kyle is a picture of the bride of Messiah. And we find oats and hadar twice each in the psalm. And we see the psalm is all about God's voice, him speaking forth. And it's almost as if Solomon took his father's psalm and said the bride of Messiah should be clothed in God's speech. And he speaks with, with strength and with dignity. And the woman of valor should clothe herself in strength and dignity. You know, this world is always pressuring us and trying to persuade us to believe lies. And those lies are always depressing. These lies always leech the energy and the joy out of us. And it's like there's an appeal here. Don't clothe yourself and fill your mind with the lies. Study the truth. Read the truth. Read what God speaks. Clothe yourself in that. Gird your mind with that. And stand up and walk forth in strength and dignity. Because our God is conquering. 
Now, let's go and look at these seven times that Kol Adonai, voice of Adonai, is mentioned. The voice of Adonai is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. Adonai over many waters. Adonai, uh, the voice of Adonai is full, is powerful. I'm sorry, I'm looking at my notes on the screen at the same time. The voice of Adonai is powerful. The voice of Adonai is full of majesty. And there's that word Hadar again. That's its second occurrence. Now, if you're in Israel and you are talking about the waters, the seas, then you're talking about what's to the west. Okay? The ocean is to the west. To the north and south and east is land, but to the west is the ocean. And if you've listened to previous teachings of mine, you know that unlike here in modern times and in the west, when you have a map, you always put north at the top and west is over at the left. But in the Jewish mindset, you rotate the map to where north is over to the left and the south is to the right. And the ocean, the west, is behind you and you're facing the east. You put east at the top. You rotate the map to where east is at the top. And the sun is coming up over the east because the earth is rotating from west to east. And as it rotates like a wheel rolling through space, the sun continues to come up at the east and go down behind you in the west. So these four lines here are referring to the west, God's voice over the waters. But now it shifts to the north. It says, the voice of Adonai breaks the cedars. Adonai breaks the cedars of Lebanon. Where's Lebanon in relation to Israel? It's in the north, it's to the left. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Sirion, which uh, the commentators say is another name for Mount, Mount Hor, Mount Hermon, which is the tallest mountain in the entire Middle East. Uh, they snow ski on Mount Hermon um, on up into the spring. Uh, like a young wild ox. And then it shifts to the south, because next it says, the voice of Adonai flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of Adonai shakes the wilderness. Now the wilderness is in the south of Israel. The the Midbar, that's down in the uh, Judean desert. So we've seen the voice of Adonai in the waters, that's behind, that's the west. We see his voice breaking and, and, and trashing the, the cedars of Lebanon. That's on the left. That's in the north. And we see his voice shaking the wilderness. That's to the south. That's to the right. And Kadesh is to the south. The voice of Adonai makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, Kavod, glory. Now, here's this image that gets conjured up. The temple and the tabernacle, the entrance was always to the east. It's always ahead. And if you can, for a moment, imagine yourself in the Holy of Holies, viewing things from God's point of view as his, his presence rests in the Holy of Holies on the Ark of the Covenant. He faces the east. And as he faces the east, as you go through the, the holy place, the menorah be on the right and the table of showbread on the left. 
as you go on out to the courtyard, there's the laver and there's the altar. Then there's the entrance to the courtyard. And then there's the east where the sun rises. So where the light source is. And it's like the world is rolling from west to east. That's almost, and it is a terrible anthropomorphism to think of God as on the the Ark of the Covenant, and he's driving his plan as it goes to the earth. And this voice on the waters behind him and the shaking that's going on to the left and right. It's like a large ship where it's smooth ahead, but there's a massive wake that's being left behind. And in God's wake, things are shaking, things are breaking. But it's not death and destruction alone. But we see animals giving birth. You see life springing out. On the one hand, things are being destroyed. And on the other hand, there's life bursting forth. And he's driving forward and he's going to the goal. He's moving to the east and the sun is rising. The light is coming. It's a powerful image. And again, it's the image I get in my mind as I read this psalm. And if it feels a little uncomfortable, a little disturbing, well... It's uh, just chew on it a while. And if you decide <laughs> to put this image aside, think, ah, not so much, Grant. It's okay. You won't hurt my feelings. But um, when I read this and I get this image in my mind, I think they nailed my Savior to the cross and it looked like the end. But as you go through Psalm 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, you see it's the beginning. We see that God's program is launching into the world and it's victory from here on out. What an incredible psalm. What an amazing picture. And in his temple, all cry glory. And then we come to the four closing lines. Adonai sits enthroned over the flood. Now the word for flood here is the word mabul. And the only other place that word is found in scripture is back in Genesis when it refers to uh, Noah's flood. So this is something that is uh, referring back to Noah's flood. I, we have to think that way because it's the only other place this word is found. And it's almost like the program that began with the destruction of the earth through a flood back in Noah's day is now coming to completion through Messiah as God moves into the future, the short time that's left. And he's going to make a new heavens and a new earth. Just as those flood waters receded and a cleansed earth came forth. It's like God is doing that again. Adonai sits enthroned as king forever. May Adonai give strength. And there is the final occurrence of the word oats. May he give strength to his people. May Adonai bless his people with peace, with shalom. Now, if we compare these first four lines, which again contain Adonai's name four times, if you'll, you notice something, they all have something in common. And then the last four lines all have something in common. Here, what is in common, it's telling us what to do. It's saying, bring to Adonai, it's a commandment, bring to Adonai, O B'nai Elim, 
Bring to Adonai glory and strength. Bring to Adonai, and I don't know why the word two is in there twice. Bring to Adonai the glory due his name. Worship Adonai in the majesty of holiness. So that's what we are commanded to do. But the last four lines, it talks about what the Lord is doing. Adonai sits enthroned over the flood. Adonai sits enthroned as king forever. May Adonai give strength to his people. May Adonai bless his people with peace. So at the beginning, it's the created beings. And I think we include ourselves with that. And we're told what we're to do to focus on Adonai, to worship in the majesty of holiness, to bring him the glory that's due his name, to ascribe glory and strength to him, to focus on him. Then here at the end of the psalm, we see what Adonai is doing. He's sitting enthroned over the flood. And all that chaos and destruction, he was still in control. He was on his throne. He sits enthroned as king forever. He's constantly ruling, constantly doing what is best for the world and for us in particular. May Adonai give strength to his people. We ascribe strength to God. We say, God, give us strength as well. Then may Adonai bless his people with shalom. What an amazing psalm. So, <coughs> excuse me, as we come to the, the final psalm in the series of 10, and the next episode in uh, Psalm 30, which is an incredible song, um, I hope you'll go back and think of these 10 psalms. And every time you read these 10, You'll think of what Messiah accomplished for us on that cross. What looked like the greatest defeat, and which was indeed the greatest sin ever committed by man, to nail the King Messiah to the cross, turned out to be the greatest act of grace and power in the earth. So the problem is always the solution. So I hope this psalm has been a blessing to you and I hope you continue to read it over and over again to where it just kind of saturates and into your, your soul, your mind, and your heart. And um, I hope it encourages you that we are on the winning side and our God is on the move. So till next time, I wish you shalom and may God bless. Thank you for joining us for today's teaching. If the work of Torah Today Ministries has touched your life, please consider making a donation or sponsoring an upcoming video. As a video sponsor, you'll have an exclusive opportunity to memorialize a family member, celebrate a special event, or simply support the ongoing creation of similar content. Your tax-deductible contribution helps ensure that our teachings continue to reach all who are longing for truth. Click the link or visit our website to learn more. Until next time.